a beer, what kind of beer do you think you'd be? Uh, I would say I would be a, a low alcohol crushable beer, <laughs> so that you could ha- you could enjoy many of me. <laughs> <laughs> the more Paul, the better. Yeah, well, not not for some people, but yeah. <laughs> Someone, actually a coworker, asked me this the other week, and it's not even a question I had ever thought of before, but right away I said pale ale just because I'm Irish and I'm super pale. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> like, nice. I don't even tan. I just burn. It's like mm-hmm. pale or red. Those are, there's really not much of an in-between for me. <laughs> that would have been a good answer for me because I'm the same way. <laughs> so with that, welcome to episode 34 of Stories from a Bar. I, of course, I'm your host, Chris Osborne, and I'm really excited about this episode. I am chatting with Paul Leone, Executive Director at the New York State Brewers Association. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I was excited that you said you could take the time to do this. I know uh, the Brewers Association has a lot of a big festival, virtual festival coming up, and we'll, we'll, of course, get to that. And in doing my research on you, it just one of the first thoughts I had was like, holy shit, this just seems like a busy guy. <laughs> no, I mean, isn't everybody busy, hopefully, and, you know, and not, not suffering too much during this? No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's staying busy. Uh, it helps, actually. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I'm back in my office full time. So I still and I still do this as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And I love video games. So plenty of ways to stay busy. Sure, that's good. You know, something to keep your mind off of the nonsense when you can. But let's get on with the show. We're doing a virtual edition of this. I said in my last episode with Eric Budraki of mm-hmm. True Brew Magazine, which was super fun because that was my first episode out at a bar again since March. So, oh, you know, good. Like, you met him out. Yeah, three or four months. We recorded that at Unified Beer Works. It was a great time. Not everything is back to normal, of course, even though some places are open for some in and outdoor dining. So it's probably just going forward a mix of on location and virtual episodes, which again, I don't mind doing them at home every once in a while. Like I was just telling you, and I've mm-hmm. said it before, my couch is six feet from where I'm recording <laughs> mm-hmm. and the fridge is only like 10. <laughs> right. Nice. And plus we're doing this mainly virtually because you live in Rochester. Am I right? That's correct. Awesome. Yes. That's about a three hour drive from Schenectady, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you were in Schenectady. <laughs> it, it, yes. Yeah, uh, I like I Schenectady. No, it's, I'm from Schenectady and I moved away for a while, lived in South Carolina and came back. uh, Maybe it's been like 15 years ago now, I think. It's definitely changed so much just from when I was a kid growing up. Mm. Pumping in a lot of money, of course, downtown, doing a lot of great things. Everything looks really good. And like I said, Rochester, that seems like a bit of a long drive to, you know, kind of meet in person. (laughs) Although hopefully one day we can and have a beer. I, have, I do have some family in Rochester, though, so I've been out there a handful of times, and the drive, even though it's like three hours, it just feels so much longer. It just seems like one of those b- super boring drives to me. Because it's the throughway. Yeah. It's the throughway. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just a lot of, whole lot of nothing. Yep. I will say I miss Wakeman's. There's, oh, yeah. You hear right. a lot of Wakeman stories in places where there is no Wakeman's. <laughs> yeah, though, you're probably saving a lot of money by not having one, because... You tend to go there and it's like, you know, a hundred bucks later and you're like, I just got a few items. So it's expensive. It's not uh, everything. It's an amazing store. It really is. I was super impressed. And uh, yeah. So speaking of Rochester, I, when I have been, well, actually we should probably talk about what we're drinking first. I'm jumping mm-hmm. ahead of myself. 
I myself have lined up a couple cans here of all the same thing. I picked up a case this past weekend. I went over to Frog Alley in Schenectady, picked up a case of their fantastic Kicker Pilsner. Mm -hmm. They're having a sweet sale where it was 24 cans for $25. I'm like, wow, how can can you say no to that? Nice flash sale. So I I had to stop in and give, uh, pick up a case of that. So a shout out to Frog Alley. Plus what's great about these is, uh, they're 12 ounce cans instead of the 16 that I've gotten so used to handle <laughs> handling things right. to craft beer. So whenever I pick up a 12 ounce can now, I just, it feels so small in my hand. Like I could just crush this mm-hmm. with ease. Right. What are you sipping on over there? I am sipping on a Lunkenheimer elderberry, elderberry Kolsch. Ooh, that sounds so, interesting. Yeah, it's very good. I haven't heard of them. Lunkenheimer is in Weedsport. So just off a three-way exit between Syracuse and Rochester. Oh, all right. And they've won an awful lot of awards from our beer competition. Oh, have they really? Yeah. yeah they Thanks. win every year. And they're one of those quiet breweries that makes really great beer. Awesome. I'll definitely have to keep an eye out for some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. We just talked about what we're drinking. Uh, it was hard to, <laughs> as I'm trying to put some notes together, trying to even figure out where to start. But why don't we start with how you actually ended up in Rochester? Because in doing some research, and believe it or not, I actually do do some research for these podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, just a matter of kind of some simple Google searches and some social sure. media searches and things like that. And I realized while I'm doing it, there's got there's like a real thin line between doing research for something productive and crazy ex stalker type. <laughs> it seems <laughs> digging like. in deep. Yeah, yeah. You've gotten around. I came across just your professional website, the Paul Leone TV, where you had an old resume posted, and it seems like oh. you've been all over. How did you end up in Rochester? Well, I started in Rochester, so this is my home to begin okay. with. And so then uh, I left in the in the early '90s. Worked at the Baseball Hall of Fame for a number of years, and then. Uh, left there to do some work at Home and Garden Television, moved to Washington, and then just one TV job after another. That's what you do. It's sort of nomadic in a lot of ways. And so whenever you get onto a show, you end up living in the city that where the show is being produced. And then so we bounced around and we were finally in Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, and just, you know, not loving Texas, although Texas is a great state. So don't get me wrong. Like Fort Worth was nice, but we were far away from home. And that's yeah. where and, and Rochester is home. So we literally... Uh, left everything. We packed up, no jobs, came home and started over. Wow. So yeah, it was one of those, I I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis, but I would call it a a situation where I I knew I wanted to work in beer just because I had been shooting beer pilots for a while. I was trying to land a beer TV show and none got picked up, but I love the people so much. And it's like, how do I turn this into a job? So I just started you know, kicking around. There's Rohrbach Brewing in Rochester gave me some work. And, and uh, John Erlob, who owns that, who is just a great guy, you know, said, I don't have any jobs. I don't have a job that you're looking for, but the New York State Brewers Association is looking for an executive director. I'll put in a good word. And then off to the races. That was the job I wanted. And wow. which, you know, got, I got. So it was the first one. Yeah. In 2013. I had nine interviews for this job. It was, it was, <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. What was the interview process like? So David Katleski, who was one of the founders of the association and owned Empire Brewing, um, he was the president at the time. And he just felt like, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to ship you around to the board members. I've got to get everybody on board with you if, if you're the guy. And so uh, I just drove around and had interviews with board members at the time. And they came back and said, yeah, you're the guy. So executive directors are funny because it's, you know, 
they either come from one or two backgrounds. You either have, you hire a marketing type person, which was me, um, or you hire a lawyer, you know, um, somebody who, who's really good at lobbying or good at political, depending on where you are, what your needs are. And in Rochester, I mean, in New York, the board had done so much work politically and legislatively, they really had it in hand. So they needed somebody more like me to say, how are we going to start market New York state beer? And my TV background helped and uh, the contacts that I had helped. And it just, it all, I don't know, it was lucky. I said, it was just, I was the luckiest person in the world to have gotten here in time for this job. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll jump more into the Brewers Association in a minute. Cause I, actually meant to ask you Rochester question. I, like I said, I have some family out there. I've been out there. Haven't really gone out there, you know, to really explore or check out any breweries or bars. And I definitely would like to, because there's some great stuff out that way. But for anyone who may not know who finds themselves in Rochester, what's worth checking out out there? Well, I tell you what, Rochester has become a real hotbed for breweries. I mean, I mean, it depends on what you define Rochester as as well. I mean, you know, the Finger Lakes is sometimes considered you know, the, the region is considered the Finger Lakes. And sometimes Rochester gets lumped into the Finger Lakes. And so it's a really growing beer scene. I mean, I think so much so that uh, even other half opened a brewery just south of Rochester. You Did know, they, they really? Had, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, their, their second brewery was uh, as in Bloomfield, which is just south of Rochester. And um, they do, they, they just wanted to be up here and, and they're, they kill it up here. And now they just opened a third brewery in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. A big giant production brewery. So... Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of other New York City breweries that have, have do really well up here. So I wouldn't be shocked if more come up. But even the Rochester-based breweries and, and the Finger Lakes breweries, just to, it's a quality area for beer. It's, it's, it's the second largest area for beer in the state behind Long Island. And so in terms of number of breweries. I didn't even think of Long Island. I knew I was going when I go down to the New York city sometimes, which I used to like to do before the whole COVID thing <laughs> every yeah. once in a while, mm-hmm. just cause you know, it's a train ride. It's a nice day trip. It takes, it's usually about almost just under three hours to get there. So it's always a fun day trip. But if you go down there drinking, there's not really breweries in the city. I guess right in Manhattan. Cause I mostly, cause it's, I assume it's just too expensive. They're all off to Brooklyn. <laughs> on Brooklyn, the side. Is, Brooklyn is where it's at. Yeah, yeah. There's actually now I think two breweries in Manhattan. So Torch and Crown, which just opened, um, and then um, Alphabet City, no, uh, Alphabet City, or Death Ave is another one that's there. Very small. Yeah, I haven't heard of those. And I didn't even think about even going farther out into Long Island. A ton of breweries out on Long Island. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's got quite a few. I think they have, you know, close to 45 or more just on oh, Long Island. Wow. Yeah. That is, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. Well, now I know where to go to if I want to take a drinking trip. Yeah. Well, you got to use our New York State craft beer app. I hope you have that. Do you have that? I, I do. I downloaded it. Actually, yeah. I downloaded it recently. Yeah. I mean, so. that has every, um, you know, shameless plug. But for anybody listening, you want to know where every single brewery is in the state of New York and how to get there. That's that's where that all lives on that app, the New York yeah, State craft beer app. Yeah. And it's awesome to have that just in my pocket. <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. Because I don't know where everything is. And sometimes when we're out driving around, there's a nearby breweries button. And so we could be in the middle of nowhere and you hit it and it's just great to go, Oh my gosh, that brewery is, you know, four miles down that way. I didn't even realize it. So, so that's what I, I that's what I love about it. I wish every state had it most do, but, but yeah, we were the first because we've had this for about three years now. I will say I have been enjoying really the only, maybe one of the only silver linings to come out of, you know, businesses having to kind of restrict what they were doing, beer delivery and mailing. <laughs> 
that's, yeah. that's been real fun. Have you been taking advantage of that? Have you been ordering beers that you can't get through shipping? Oh yeah. I, uh, I made a couple orders with equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you can sometimes find their cans in some local places around Schenectady like that. I'm like, well, if I'm going to order something, you know, place an order like that, I'm going to order a bunch of something that I don't usually get. So I've done two orders with them. Uh, my girlfriend actually, one of them was my girlfriend did for my birthday. Like mm-hmm. one of the best presents ever. She's like, but this will be gone so fast. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. It feels a bit like Christmas, doesn't it? When, it, uh, you know, you get a box of beer waiting for you. It really does. And I remember something was going on and my, I think my mother asked me if I wanted to go do something with someone else in the family or something like that, or asked me if I could do something. I'm like, I can't, I'm waiting for a package. I have to be here to sign for it. Mm-hmm. She asked me the next day, well, what were you waiting for? Beer. Beer. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't really know what that says about me, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not legal in New York state. Um, I didn't know if you knew that. So, um, well, it, it is temporarily. So when, yeah, it's the temporary thing. It's the temporary thing. So every 30 days we get it extended a little bit longer, but we have to make that permanent. I think it's going to be part of our 2021 legislative agenda to make shipping legal in New York state. And I think that's going to need to be a priority because, you know, who knows if, even if everything will be ever gets back to as good as we didn't realize we may have had it. (laughs) Right. But either between that or places willing to do delivery, which I took advantage of from frog alley, actually, when they started doing that, uh, definitely artisanal from Saratoga. Mm -hmm. Another one of my favorite places to check out because they always have something new that Kurt's brewing up there. Mm -hmm. Before we let's talk about you mentioned a lot of tv works which i was mm-hmm. surprised to see when i started looking into the brewers association and you know trying to find some stuff out about you you actually have do you have degrees in both english literature and broadcasting yes uh well not a degrees i mean my my major uh i went to nazareth college in rochester and i graduated with a degree in english literature but i took communications as a side um nice. i actually have a communications degree do you really okay yeah. and where uh college of st rose in albany all right nice yeah funny funny enough i was uh well i have an associates in computer science Mm -hmm. and then i was going to do a bachelor's in that and i transferred into suny albany where i was really struggling with uh the electives it's such a large college they were all two to three hundred student classes i was struggling i didn't think the teachers in those classes were the greatest it was hard to get help so right. I actually ended up getting academically terminated because, I mean, I was even losing my motivation. Mm. So I transferred to St. Rose and I graduated with honors. Okay. <laughs> and I, to this day, and I switched to communications at St. Rose and graduated with honors. And to this day, I regret not keeping that you are dismissed letter and sending a picture of me holding my St. Rose degree to the person that signed. <laughs> oh, yeah, good. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, that would have been great. And I really regret not doing that. But uh the communications is great though. I did, I learned a lot. Actually the last class I took to get my degree was a radio editing class and things like that, which is really unrelated to what I actually do to make a living and is only related to yeah. a hobby where I drink and talk to strangers. Well, there you go. <laughs> but, but you're enjoying it, right? I do enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah. Like I said, I meet a lot of cool people. I get the insight on some really cool beers, check out some cool mm-hmm. places. One of my favorite things to do. But what, uh, so how did you end up getting into English literature? Why was that a degree you were looking to pursue? Because the school that I was at, which I didn't want to transfer, they didn't have a communications degree. So in Rochester, you could actually take a major um, at a school. And if they didn't have the minor you wanted, you could take it at another school. 
in the city and it wouldn't cost you any more. So oh, wow. I, went, I went to St. John Fisher part-time for all my communications classes and then got a degree at Nazareth in English literature. And just English literature just seemed like a, it was just more of a, a liberal arts degree, you know what I mean? In a sense, but communications yeah. is what I really loved, but I didn't want to go to St. John Fisher full-time. So I wanted to stay at Nazareth. So that's how. I and I mean, having the communications degree, I can certainly see how I can see a beneficial connection between Mm -hmm. the two sure you got to learn how you got to know how to write and you got to know how to do research and talking talking yeah and talking yeah. <laughs> talking is hard exactly one of the uh things that stood out to me i mean you mentioned doing some work for a lot of networks how did you at you were multimedia producer at the baseball hall of fame i was how, how yeah. did you get into that so another another lucky break um my uh, one of my my best friends is from cooperstown and uh, we were roommates in Rochester and uh, I would always go back and forth there. And, and he, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly happy in, or doing anything great in Rochester. And um, so he convinced me to send my resume and um, I sent my resume to the hall of fame and a guy, it just had happened to quit the day before the day after my resume showed up there. <laughs> so kind of convenient. Yeah, well, just again, another timing thing and that, uh, you know, where the stars aligned and the curator uh, who had a very messy office, who is one of my bosses, just um, uh, just said, hey, look, at call this guy. I just got this guy's resume. And so that was me. It was at the top of the pile because it had just arrived. So it was timing was by, a, you know, a week later, or a week earlier. Who knows? You know, they might have gotten buried and I may have never gotten a phone call. So I ended up moving there and. Uh, it was, I would say I stayed there from Rizzuto to Ryan, those inductions. So Phil Rizzuto and Steve Carlton were the first induction <laughs> that I worked. And then George Brett and Nolan Ryan, uh, Robin Yount were the last ones that I worked. So Phil Rizzuto, I, I hear that name and I immediately think of the show Seinfeld just because of George Costanza working for the Yankees. There's an yep. episode where he gets the Phil Rizzuto keychain. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Phil Rizzuto, shortstop for the Yankees, you know, and uh, he was, he's a great guy. I love Phil Rizzuto. And uh, I remember when I was a kid looking up addresses because I wanted to try to get autographs and things like mm -hmm. that. And I ended up, I think I looked up a bunch of like team addresses somehow or just anything close and probably God bless my parents and just indulging me and letting me do this. I was mailing out my own copies of baseball cards I had. Mm -hmm. And I think the only response I got, I got a letter back from the Texas organization about Nolan Ryan and oh, yeah. they, Letter, they couldn't sign the card for some reason, but they included a black and white autographed picture of Nolan Ryan. I'm like, holy shit. That was great. How about that? I'm like, yeah. I can't believe someone actually got it and responded. Yep. Yeah, he's a good guy too. I've never been a huge baseball fan. I don't watch it on TV. I find that a little boring, but I always enjoyed going to a game or something mm -hmm. like that. That's always more fun because, you know, there's the snacks, there's the beer, there's the atmosphere that you can right. get to. Yeah, I really missed that this year. Yeah, I miss most of anything you could do in public these days. Right, with people, right? <laughs> yeah. Not on Zoom, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like that was a cheap shot at me, but okay. No, because I, <laughs> it, was, it was a dig at it, like, it, no, Zoom, Zoom is great. Uh, I'm so happy that it, it came when it did because a lot of what we've been doing um, from the, you know, this year just to stay alive from an association standpoint is I rely heavily on my counterparts from the other states. And so I have been far too many Zoom happy hours when this all started in March, where I would get together with them in this format, you know, two or three times a week talking about how we're going to survive. It was like, yeah. it was almost like a, a peer 
uh, a peer group that that we all kind of rely on each other. And it was like, you know, it was definitely a, um, a psychology session. You know what I mean? Like we just helped each other. So that was more of like, I love Zoom, but like you, it's much better to be like, it'd be better if we were in a bar talking right now. You know, oh, I, yeah. I would rather be doing the same thing, but this works out great. Yeah. And like I said, before we even recorded, I've only done this, well, maybe four or five times now mm-hmm. since things closed down. Now, what did you do for HGTV? Because I used to, I mean, I used to watch a bunch of HGTV and I'm curious if any of the hosts that you met are still around and what they were like. I I was there in the early days of HGTV, like when it first started uh, to date myself. And uh, I just worked on two shows, one show called um, Dream Builders and another one called Old Homes Restored. And so for them, I was a videographer editor primarily uh, for those shows. So. Yeah. And then just, you know, after the, the, those shows ended or after I left there, then you start meeting a lot of TV people. And, and if you, it's just one of those industries where like, if you, if you meet people and we all are, you know, have certain talents and we all get along, then when you, somebody gets a job on another show, they tend to go, Oh, I like this person a lot. If you need somebody who can do this, get them. So it's very like, you want to get your group together and that's how you just get job after job after job because you keep getting recommended or you recommend people and yeah, and that's how it worked. It's an interesting ind- industry either, you know, going into media like that. Cause you know, it's not your, it's not really a guaranteed typical day-to-day job. Right. You're just constantly looking at different jobs, which is, it's fascinating. I don't know if I could live that way myself. Yeah. I was tired of it to be honest with you. I mean, that's why I wanted to do something different. So, Are you still doing a, a lot of or any production or editing or media type work like that? Just, just for the uh, just for the just association. For the, oh yeah. wow! You know, I do stuff for them because you know I'm free. I guess you know what I mean. We don't have to hire anybody to do stuff, so I can do all the editing and I can do all the sh- you know videography and all that stuff. So, one thing, and then one thing I thought was kind of hilarious on your professional website there, Paulione.tv. Mm-hmm. It was a copy, of course, of. A resume you had posted i think it was said 2013 on it yeah but as i was just scrolling through it there's all this production editing media marketing stuff <laughs> your education and then just one line at the bottom working on my cicerone certification beer expert <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's funny I, and I'll, I'll admit it i've actually failed that test twice um, it's not easy it's not from what i've heard and i missed it by you know i passed the tasting portion but the, uh, the, just the amount, what tripped me up every single time, and it was my own fault, because right? I just didn't have time to do the, the reading and research, was beer styles. There are so many beer styles. And when, have you taken the Cicerone? No, no. Yeah, so, I mean, it literally is just random when you take it. It's like, well, tell us about a Kolsch and the history of it. And what is the, you know, percentage of, you know, normal percentage of ABV and IBUs in, in a typical, co- like you literally have to know every single beer, everything about the beer, its origin. I mean, it's tough. And, um, you know, I, I didn't do enough reading and homework. So that tripped me up. So I literally missed passing it last time by two points. So Wow. Yeah. I just thought it was funny because that was kind of <laughs> unrelated to everything I just read and yeah. <laughs> it was like out of nowhere. Yeah, I've always been into beer. When I when I was working on the Home and Garden TV show in Washington D.C., I I'm like you know I, I came in traffic there is horrible. My two hour ride home from D.C. to Maryland. Oh God. Um, I I just had an idea of like I could write a TV show pilot about beer. You know, beer is craft beer is going to be big, and I'm going to write a show. And 
I need a host and I, I got to find a host. And so I did some research on the internet and I found this guy who had rowboated a six pack of beer across the Delaware river to Pennsylvania. And his name was Sam Calagione, who is the owner of Dogfish Head. And so oh, back wow. then, yeah, back then he wasn't Sam Calagione. He was just a guy that was building a brewery and now he's a superstar and he's sold his brewery to Sam Adams for $300 million. And oh, that's right. That. And that was, yeah. that was only recently. That was only yeah. what, like a year or two ago. Right. So Sam always wanted to do TV. So we shot two pilots together um, that never got picked up. And then Sam ended up doing a TV series on Discovery. Um, so did he really? Yeah, he did. It was, uh, it didn't last long. It was, um, called, I think it was called Brewmasters. Uh, it was an expensive show. I, I, I people are shocked. Like if you, a broadcast TV show literally cost about 125,000 an episode. At least it did back then to produce. Oh, wow. Um, so it's expensive to do. And if you don't get ratings, then you can't pay for the show. And, and Sam, you know, just discovery is a huge network. And, uh, I just don't think that they pulled the numbers. People still just it was a good show. I just not sure how many people were into beer yet. You know, watch watching beer TV. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm curious how that would do these days. As you know, it's exploded even more. The craft beer scenes everywhere and whatnot. But yeah, the following two pilots that we ended up shooting, and um, and this is true for any TV show, is that it has to be entertaining first and about beer second. And if you if you think about that for a second, just to grab somebody, there were like three shows about logging. On. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, you know, but it was never really about logging. It or was storage. About the, the characters, or, right. Or storage was, wars or something like that. Yeah. So exactly right. You know, and, but it's entertaining first and then it, oh, it just happens to be about cutting down trees or fishing or, you know, and, and so beer really need, that's, that's what would make a successful show. I think just a super entertaining show. But when we were shopping, there were production companies shopping around, calling brewers going, you know, are, are, are you a family run brewery? Do you guys fight all the time? Like they were looking for that angle to be super, you know, people yelling at each other. Uh, and, and, they're, and they're all like, no, we all kind of like each other. You looking know? for storylines. Yeah. And it's very kumbaya industry, you know. It's hard to put together something where <laughs> if you're looking for kind of storyline where well, everyone loves each other and gets along great. We support each other. Right. That's a great time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, so that, that doesn't make for entertaining television. It's but, fun yeah. if you're there to have a beer and chat, but yeah, watching on TV, there's not much. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. Um, I forgot where I was going next. Sorry. I know, I, no, I, I actually, I took a tour of the Sam Adams Brewery in Boston, maybe like three years ago with my brother when we went for, actually we did a tour of the brewery and then a Red Sox game, which was a fun day. It's a, it's a cool little place. I know it's kind of their testing facility. They do their mass production out of Cincinnati, I think, or something like that. They've got like four breweries around the country. They con they're, they're a contract brewer primarily. Yeah. And th thinking back of how fast they really grew, was it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Jim Cook's done a great job. He's a good guy and, you know, more power to him. I know it was a, you talked about beer TV and I, I saw this. I don't know if you still do anything with it. Was it Beer America TV? I did in 2008. Um, it, I lost my job doing, I was doing a show on PBS and we were, we were living in Savannah, Georgia. And when the economy crashed in 2008, you know, TV shows can't run without sponsorship. So I ended up losing my jobs. And, and so I was really into beer. And so I started a video beer blog, which is in 2008 was really rare. There wasn't, there was nobody doing it online, believe it or not, in 2008. So I just started doing it. I started doing a ton of episodes and it's shocking that, you know, some, some episodes would get like, you know, 45 views and some would get 5,000 and it's like who you know so 
we just tried to make it entertaining. We never rated beers. I'm not a rate beer person because I could tell you right now that this Kolsch is the best Kolsch you'll ever have in your life. And, it, and, it, and it's not true because who knows if you even like Kolsch, you know, who am I to say this is the best beer ever, right? And so we never rated beers, but it's taste is subjective. So. I'm kind of the, I'm kind of the same way. Like I like the like with the untapped app and my dog just came out running from somewhere. <laughs> with like the untapped app and everything like that. They want you to like you rate beers to help track and stuff. I, I don't like rated beers. I'm like I like it. It's good. I can't really judge it out of like five stars or things like that. I like it. I'll make note of it. I like what I like. It it is subjective. Yeah. It's just like any kind of art form. Everything's yeah. subjective. Which is right. yeah, I don't rate in beers I all it means is a lot of people like it. That's fine. It's a necessary evil. Um, you know, in, in brewers, of course, it always drives. And, and I can tell you, brewers look at it. You know, they'll look at their untapped rating on, on beers. Um, you know, but then you, there's always those people that will give it a one star because this IPA sucked because I don't like IPAs. And they give it a one star. Oh, you know? God. Yeah, those people are yeah. the worst. Right. So and it just drags it down. And, and some people really rely on those ratings if they want to spend $16 on a four pack. You know what I mean? Like that's a big decision and, and they'll use untapped to say, oh, wow, it's got four stars or, you know, whatever. I might spend that $16 on it. Hey, don't get me wrong. I've made decisions based on that from time to time sure. when I'm at a beverage center and there's just so much around me. I'm like this has the most positive reviews. I won't read all the descriptions because people exactly right. just post asshole comments sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And for them, I mean, for the most part, I've haven't gotten something that said four stars or something like that. And I'm like, wow, this, I hate this. Right. <laughs> I mean, I can't complain, but personally, I, I find it hard to rate stuff. I'm like, I love, this is great. I really enjoy it, but you know, I don't know what you would enjoy. If someone asked me. Right. But the premise for Beer America TV, as I was reading, it sounded really cool. So was it, you went around the country, right? To visit six breweries. Oh, so that was the TV pilot is what you're talking about. So yeah, I used to do uh, beeramerica.tv was a website that used to do video beer blogs, but that was really what the pilot was called. Beer America TV. Oh, okay. So, um, Beer America was what, what we named the pilot. So we shot four pilots, two of them with Sam Caligioni and then Warren Miller Entertainment. So, so I had this little video beer blog that was getting a lot of reviews and, there, and, and some production assistant in Warren Miller Entertainment, which is a big production company in Colorado, saw it and said that would be, uh, so two people saw it, Warren Miller Entertainment saw it, and then the producers of Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives saw it. And they both called and said, this would be a great TV show you know, and I'm like, I know. And so, um, so we ended up shooting a pilot with Warren Miller entertainment and cause they funded a pilot. Um, and then we, sh- that we got took the feedback from that pilot and shot a, another one at the great American beer festival. But that was the one that I don't know if you've ever had in your life, like life changing moments, like where you, you, something happens and you go, Oh, this is, you know, this is like the, the stars come out and the light starts shining. Like, Oh, I get it now. And so, that was my kind of beer moment was I spent a week with the guys at Oscar blues out in Colorado. Oh, um, really? Shooting this pilot. And they, back in the day before they're now big, now they're canarchy and they're a big, you know, corporation. But back in the day, Dale Katechis, who started all this and he was a, he was a very fuck it kind of guy, right? He was a guy that said, would go around and go, why can't we do this? Why can't we put beer in a can? Right. And everybody's like, you're crazy. People will never drink beer out of a can because it takes, and he was one of the first that did it because he's like, fuck it. I'm putting beer in a can. I'm going to do it. And, and it took off. And when I was out there, they were, he, they, the work environment was just, they all loved each other and they were having fun. They were making great beer. 
he was making a lot of money. I mean, it was, it was, it was just fun. And I'm like, I love these people. And if I could work <laughs> with people like this every day, I would be happy every day. Like, you know, and, and that's when I decided I wanted to work in beer after being with them. Like I just, I wanted to be them. I wanted to be, I didn't want to leave them because they were so much fun to it's be around. One of the things I enjoyed about doing the podcast, you know, when I can record it on location is it's, it's a great environment. You could tell the people working there are passionate about what they do. Everyone I talk to, everyone else knows everyone else and supports each other. It's just a great community to like, it's just fun to have kind of be a part of. I, I mean, I don't brew beer. I probably never will. I don't really think I have the tasting palate to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not so much, you know, it wouldn't be like the work ethic or trying to learn. I'm like, I don't think I can distinguish taste well enough to be really be able to accentuate what I'm tasting, how I'm tasting it, mouthfeel and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I never wanted to brew beer either, you know, and I, I never have. So I just wanted to be around these people and it's not an industry that you get into to make money. You know, that's the one thing is there's always this um, perception that, you know, that brewers, oh my gosh, look at the lines of people, you know, and people are in full, full bars. They don't make a lot of money. Brewers don't because they would, whenever they, whatever money they bring in, they're constantly reinvesting. Oh, I got to buy two more tanks. Oh yeah. Uh, Or we're going to hire more people because, you know, and so they are not sleeping on beds of cash at night. You know, they really are not. And so it's not an industry you get into. I mean, there's rare exceptions, you know, that breweries that are doing really well. But Sophia Barbaresco, who um, was on our board and was with um, what used to be with Industrial Arts, she, she has a quote that I, that I saw her. She said, if you want to make a million dollars in beer, start with two million. <laughs> you know, so, you know, and that's, I'm like, I've never heard that before. That sums it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a great segue into, let's get into the Brewers Association, what you guys do and your role there. So for anyone who's not aware of it, what is the New York State Brewers Association and their purpose? It is the trade association for craft beer in New York State. So there's an association for everything. Um, So there's a wine association, a cider association, a distillers association. And basically all of our jobs are to change the laws in New York State uh, or make sure that there's good laws and make sure that you know, you can get beer eventually shipped to your house. You know, that's, that's what we do. We, we, we have a lobbying firm and we, you know, basically uh, try to change the laws and make sure bad laws don't screw up the industry. Um, and then we also market New York state beer statewide and, and nationally and internationally. So, so we're the trade association for them. It's a membership dues based. It's a nonprofit So, um, you know, any money that we bring in, we have to bring in on our own. We don't get money kind of mentioned it earlier so you're in touch with a lot of other states brewery associations and things like that yeah there's so when i was hired i might have been i was the first executive director in new york state and i want to say there were only 20 executive directors in the entire united states like it wasn't in 2013 there weren't many of us um and and before this there were 51 uh, state directors that includes washington dc so, um, so every state had an executive director and then now there's executive directors of city guilds. Like it's just, and then, you know, so our job is to, it's, it's full time because we're a board run nonprofit. So the board, you know, they're all brewery owners. They don't have time to do the day to day. So that's what we do. We do the day to day. And so I'm, I'm very close because there's so few of us that do what we do in this industry that's growing like crazy we rely heavily on each other. So we yeah. all know each other from around the country. 
For anyone wondering, that was me opening another can of Frog yeah. Alley Kicker Pilsner earlier. I'm saying just, another, just, same just, beer. Yeah. Yep, same beer. I got I got 24 of them to get through. <laughs> all right. Uh, not tonight. <laughs> all right. I was gonna say I want to see you do this. This is my fourth of the day though, and yeah. I worked until 2:30 today. So nice. What? That's not bad. No, it's five hours later. Yeah. And like I said, these are 12 ounces, so it's it's yeah. not as much as you know pounding four pints. No, and the ABV's got to be around five. I think I it was uh, one thing about Frog Alley I've noticed is they don't put that on the can label. But oh, I think it, I looked it up on their site. I think it was like four eight four nine. It's nice to have yeah. something uh, in my fridge other than the eight percent eight percenters I have that I can sit here and actually have more than one or two. Right. Yeah. That's uh, that's why I love them. That's been my thing all summer long is drinking the five percenters because just because you can enjoy more than one. Yeah. Uh, so as executive director, what are, what are a lot of your duties? What are you, you know, your typical day-to-day stuff? I'm curious. It's changed. Um, so when I was first hired, I was just me. And so, you know, you, the, the primary goal is to raise money because you've got to have money to survive. So uh, we did that primarily through beer festivals. So we, we, you know, organized at least four beer festivals a year. Um, one at the Desmond Hotel by you was one that that's, yep. was one of our early ones. Um, I've been to that one the last couple of years. That was a great one. That was one of my favorite days of the year was going to that festival. Yeah, that, so that's, we, that, that's where we raise money. I mean, that's how we raise money. Um, so now I actually have two other full-timers. There's three, there's four of us on staff now. Uh, three, three full-time, one part-time. Um, and we're, we kind of live all around the state. So we don't have offices. Yeah, we're a board-run company, a board-run nonprofit. And my day-to-day is just making, well, now my day-to-day is, is, is answering, you know, keeping, staying ahead of, you know, what the governor's office is going to do and what state liquor authority is going to do, understanding all the regulations and getting that out to every brewery in the state. Like that's my primary job. And that's kind of, uh, I assume that's basically how your job has changed in the last three months, thanks to COVID and everything. Yeah, like it's, it's, we were sending out communications every day for a while and brewers because they just needed it. And that's our job is to make sure they have the information they need. And so for instance, like recently when the governor started mandating uh, food, now when you go to a brewery, you have to, they, they have to give, you have to have a food item. You can't just go to a brewery, sit down, have a beer. You have to order something, bag of chips. So they have to have something for you there. So that was really confusing for a lot of folks. Um, so that was our job was to sort out what they could do and what they couldn't do in case an SLA investigator came in and making sure they were following the law. And yeah, that's so. crazy. I mean, without going, you know, deep diving into the politics, I mean, I understand the idea, I guess he had behind it is, you know, people have food, they won't get up and wander around as much because that's what you're trying to avoid. Correct. But uh, it, it, it is funny seeing some of the options people were able to get away with <laughs> meeting that requirement. Right. So then they made it even like a little harder. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm very proud of this fact, you know, the bars uh, and not to pick on bars, but you know, that's really where, where you know, where, that's where most of the violations are right now. And, and oh, know, yeah. people crowding at bars, but as you know, breweries are not bars right? It's just a different setup, right? You know, the people don't go there and and crowd at a bar like you would at a bar. Uh, They tend to get a table, they tend to, you know, get their beer. And and so that's, that's our fight right now. I think what we're really concerned about is that there's going to be a rebound in the fall. And if there is, there's no doubt this governor will roll back the phases, you know, and if it ever gets to a point where he says we're closing all bars, we want to make sure that breweries are not part of that. 
because yeah. they're not bars. You know, it's they're 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 far more on top of cleaning than bars are. I mean, that's what you have to keep a brewery clean to begin with. You know, like one bacteria, wrong bacteria can spoil beer, like an entire batch of beer. So they're that, cleaning constantly anyway. Cleaning is more than half the job at breweries. And the, it's I mean, more than half the job. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you spend any time in one, you'll realize that mm-hmm. if you start talking to anyone that works there, it's like the majority of the job is cleaning. <laughs> people, people had to, there's no doubt people have the illusion that a brewer like is basically sipping and tasting beer all day and making beer. And that's not I'm, how it is. I mean, they may look like a grunge band player from the 90s, yeah, but right. that's because they've spent their day working hard cleaning. <laughs> Correct. And that's, it's, most of their job is cleaning. It's, it's not glamorous at all, but they do it because they love it. So, At least to be fair politically, the New York governor seems to have been willing to roll back stuff as, you know, all the cases have dropped and things like that. So it, it's nice to see the fear's not he's not fearful enough to keep stuff the way it was. He's willing to let stuff reopen. And that really the responsibility is just on the people now not to be assholes and take care of each other. Right. And so that I always say, regardless of your politics, this governor has been really good in a lot of ways. And I think one of the ways that he was really good through the, all of this was mandating face coverings. And I know that's a political hot, Point, right which is ridiculous because it shouldn't right. be it should be a health specifically a health thing like it is in any other country but that's besides the point <laughs> right but by mandating it though what he, what he did is he allowed business to, to put a line in the sand right and say you can't come oh, yeah. into my business without this because it's mandated now it's, when it's no shirt mandated. no shoes no face correct hands. right if it's so if it's not mandated then brewers can have people that are unmasked and it becomes you know and so that was really a good thing, you know? And I think for, for me personally, and again, I don't want to slide into politics, but I didn't like wearing a mask to begin with either. It was weird, right? I mean, who, why, why wearing a mask? It's pretty normalized here in New York State. I have, you have it in your pocket with you wherever you go, you put it on and, and it's just the way we have to do right now. It's kind of just a matter of getting used to doing anything else you right. do. Right. I mean, after, what is, there's like some guideline or maybe it's some theory that what what does it take to like break a habit or really get into a habit it's like two to three weeks or something like that i mean after a couple weeks you're used to you know your habits change and you're just used to that now you're too young though for this but i do remember um like when seatbelts were became a law right i mean it was nobody ever really wore them but when that became a law right it was weird it's like i got a strap into the car now like it's it's by law and and now it's just habit for everybody they just put your seatbelt on when you get in your car and you go there's just too many people that d- can't stand that idea of something being required. I think I know <laughs> they just don't like that feeling, but even you know if it's I, for the best, but you know what I like right now is you, as we're talking uh, on this day is the fact that New York's got really low numbers. Right. And so yeah. that has allowed all of us to be a little more free. I'm sure that it allowed you to do your last interview at a brewery, right. Okay. And not zoom because we're doing, because we wear masks, New York's numbers are low. So that allows you to get out and have a beer and all of us to get out and have a beer. And, and to me, that's worth it. Right. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Beer, you know, so I was, I will remember that, that beer I had at unified for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like I'll remember the one I had the last beer I had three or four months before that period where I only drank at home <laughs> for a long mm-hmm. time as well. <laughs> yeah. This mean a lot of zoom happy hours. Yes. <laughs> So, I mean, you touched on, of course, the a lot of the fundraising you guys do are from the drinking festivals and stuff you do throughout the year. Obviously, the first three of them this year were canceled, including the Albany one. I know there's still currently one on the schedule for November. 
Now. Oh, is that officially canceled? By uh, you know, I, I, I wait. It's, it's not officially canceled, but there's no way it's happening. I mean, we're going to cancel uh, yeah. that one soon. It just is. It's too risky, and nobody's going to go out in this, and, no. and we shouldn't. We shouldn't put people at risk or viewers no. at risk for for anything. So. No, that one will be canceled as yeah. well. We're, we're doing everything pretty much virtually right now. Yeah, like I said, money. sadly, things are different this year. But speaking of virtually, mm-hmm. there is a big event going on that you guys were somehow managed to put together this week. And as I read more into it, I'm like, this must have seemed like a massive undertaking, just looking through it and all the coordination involved. Why don't we tell me what's going on this weekend? This weekend is the Peace, Love, Beer, and Music Festival, virtual. And so what we decided to do a few months ago, we came up with this concept. Um, and we literally, you know, with Woodstock being in New York State and with music being such an important part of the brewery experience anyway, and I'm lucky enough to have um, Chloe Kay on my staff who does all my marketing. She's also a graphic designer. So we came up with this logo and this concept of, of a weekend-long um live performances at breweries from all over the state and you can tune in and so like to a channel guide at thinkny.drinkny.com and there, there's a whole website for it and it's just entertaining brewery, brewery content for three days um, and a lot of music we've got bmi recording artists from around the country doing this for us as well yeah so it's not that. even just state specific in that way which is right. even more interesting the so 50 f- that? oh on the fifth and it's actually the 51st anniversary of woodstock Correct. We did it. That's why we picked that weekend just to kind of tip our hat to those folks and, and that history. And, and then now we have a brewers from all over the state as well doing a summer of love collaboration beer. So there's a list of all of those on the website as well. There's quite a few in your area. That, oh yeah. That I, um, I don't think anywhere of I think they're pretty much all available starting tomorrow. We're recording this, of course, on Thursday. Today's Thursday, right? <laughs> Today is Thursday. Yeah. Thursday the 13th. Uh, of course, the virtual festival kicks off tomorrow on the 14th. Sadly, I won't have this edited and posted That's before right. that starts. I will. I, I'm actually going to work hard to get it posted at least Saturday or Sunday this weekend. I, people will still love to hear how this came together. Uh, so what what was the effort like to try to get all these people on a schedule and get everything organized. It was, you know, I was, it was, it's, it's an effort. It's still an effort. It's not ready. Like after this interview, I've got to go back and start editing more stuff for, for the weekend. So oh, wow. it's, we're still going to come down to the wire, but really what we're, this idea came from was we've been doing virtual tasting um, events before this during um, in March and April and May, and those are going to come back this fall, but because of shipping, you know, you could basically buy, uh, we'll do four really, you know, popular breweries and you can buy a ticket for 90 minutes on Zoom with the brewers. You get a brewery tour, you get a four pack of beer with for the ticket price and you get to hang out and, and Q&A with a bunch of people. And, and it was a lot of fun. So those did well for us. We raised some money. We're going to do a lot of that again this fall. So yeah, the, yeah, the virtual happy hours were great because, you know, it was, it, it was an hour sitting down with the brewers and hearing about right. the brewery. Uh, I was able to certainly tune into a few of them. And of course, some of the guys I knew, Scott from Indian Ladder is always hilarious to. <laughs> yeah, you interviewed him. I saw Scott's, Scott's the greatest. He is, yeah, he is super uh, cool guy. Him and uh, Sam from CH Evans. He was always yeah. great. Of who is who left sadly has left died, New York. No. But he left New York. Yeah, he like, might as well have died. I mean, let's yeah, face yeah. it. <laughs> He's dead to me now. Really. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of my favorite ones that he did. Um, <laughs> did you see his? his uh, I, I only saw parts of it. I know he, talking to him about his makeshift pizza making and just Correct. basically whatever's lying around the <laughs> right yeah he just was a blast it was so much fun 
Yeah, those are great. And I definitely recommend for people to check those out when those come back. Obviously, I'm going to work my best, like I said, to try to get this posted relatively soon this weekend so that people can hear about how this came together. Tell me about uh, Summer Love beer that people are collaborating on. Is it the basically a similar recipe that everyone is kind of adding their own flair to? Uh, so I'm going to ask this question for a third time because I don't know what people will or will, will not hear by the time. <laughs> time yeah. i get this posted the summer of love beer let's, summer let's of love. get this right this time there was an idea of making it a cream ale but it happened at short notice that takes a little tank time so brewers kind of needed flexibility with it so it, what people can expect is the kind of different variations of what it would be if they see this out and about it's going to be whatever the brewers you know maybe they had a recipe of a beer they were going to brew anyway this summer and so now they just call it summer of love you know as part of it and, and every sale of summer of love um, money comes back to the association so it's just another way of a brewery supporting us and uh consumers like everybody wins you know the brewery sells beer and then um you know a dollar from each beer goes back to us uh, to continue to raise money and the consumer gets a really awesome beer so it's a it's a win 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 and of course, that's the whole point of the virtual Peace Love Beer Music Festival going on the next three days. Giant fundraiser to help raise money for the Brewers Association, the New York craft beer scene. Of course, all kinds of musical acts. Yeah. Uh, what people may or may not know is, of course, the merchandise available. Well, it's got some awesome designs. You mentioned the graphic designer, Chloe Kay, I believe, right? Yeah. Yep. Who yeah. I see posting on Facebook in the beer groups all the time as well. <laughs> Yeah, she's great. She's uh, She was a marketing director at a brewery in Rochester, and that brewery unfortunately closed. And so we're like, oh, we've got to have her on our staff because she's multi-talented. And then uh, Jen Myers on our staff is a former brewer at several brewers in the, uh, breweries in the Finger Lakes, and she's my membership and events manager. So she's really kind of the, the really organizing a lot of this. That's awesome. You know, actually, one of the things I really want to get from the website is just that uh, tie-dye-ish pint glass. <laughs> pint- look size looking glass. yeah yeah, yeah thing, that's an awesome looking glass i need to get one of those in a t-shirt actually yeah that would be great i think that seems like a good place to go into an outro and we'll do our plugs right. you could tell people how they can help out so that's going to do it for this episode of stories from a bar before paul has another power surge and my internet connection goes <laughs> My bad. All, all within 10 minutes of each other, apparently. Yeah. So a, a big thank you to my guest, Paul Leone from the Brewers Association for joining me. I appreciate you hanging out, taking the time to chat, sharing a drink. You're, you're a busy guy. You've got things to do. Yeah, but I appreciate you doing this, Chris. This is great. And, and I appreciate the fact that, you know, you do enjoy this. And I, I totally love that about what you're doing. And then, you know, you're really helping breweries by having them on your show. So, and so thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure, man. Like I said, when I started doing this, I, cause I started helping a friend with his podcast and I got to know some cool podcast people. I mean, it, it just seems like something fun. I'm like, well, what do I, what am I really into? I really enjoy going to bars and breweries, you know, tasting new beers, chatting with strangers and the people there. Mm -hmm. like, that'd be a fun podcast to do. And of course music. So I want to try to start mixing in some more local musicians and things like that. Or, you know, podcast, any this will grow. Yes, I'm hoping. <laughs> if I yeah. can make money from this somehow, that'd be super. But, you know, I'm yeah. not going to push my luck. Right now, it's content, fun. Content, content, content. Exactly. You know, you've got a lot of content, and that's the more, the more, the better. It's, uh, I like to think I have, I've done really well for a pretty area-specific podcast. Yeah. 
the way it's been so far. But so be sure to check out the New York State Brewers Association. You can see them at their website, newyorkcraftbeer.com to learn a lot more about them. New York craft beer in general, supporting the breweries. Yeah, the, can I, I just real quick the consumer oh, yeah. web the real the, the consumer website is actually thinkny.drinkny.com. Thinkny drinkny. Okay, that's yeah, that's the consumer website. The other one is more for the brewers. So the consumer website uh, thinkny.drinkny.com has all our festival information and what we're doing virtually and has all the gear and all that stuff. Awesome. You can also be sure to well, you can not also be sure be sure. <laughs> Not also, just be sure to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Think New York, Drink New York, Brewers Association, anything New York craft beer related, just follow it. <laughs> the breweries yeah. included the breweries included everything in New York. Follow it. It's all great stuff. As Paul said, you can keep track of the events going on, ways to help great virtual festivals and happy hours the way things are going now. Uh, hopefully get back to the in-person festival soon enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I forgetting anything, Paul? No, uh, or, or if you want to find every brewery in the state, uh, the New York Craft Beer app uh, in your app store is a yes. great way to start. Um, Absolutely. If and you, you are... get free stuff too. The more stamps you get, passports, stamps. Uh, you Who get doesn't free like stuff. free stuff? I know, right. So, <laughs> And you get to go to a bunch of breweries and find them. So. Even better. Yeah. And lastly, of course, thank you everyone out there for checking out the show. You can find Stories from Ravar on Facebook. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Stories FAB. You'll find the show on Apple and Google Podcasts, of course. Podbeam, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, uh, the main places you would expect to find the podcast. Please, if anyone out there is using a different service I'm not aware of, feel free to shoot me a message (laughs) and I'll figure out how to get the podcast there because it's all about making it available. I love everyone that takes the time to listen to this. I greatly appreciate it. Best thing you can do is, of course, always spread the word. Be sure to leave positive reviews, subscribe. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.